Hello and welcome to the Synth Year-End Report 2022 presentation. My name is Elliot and I'll be coordinating your call today. If you'd like to register a question during the presentation, you may do so by pressing star 1 on your telephone keypad. Now I'd like to hand over to Tom Bullman, CEO. The floor is yours. Please go ahead. Thanks very much, Elliot, um, and good morning, everybody, to our Q4 2022 um, results presentation. If we could move on to the uh, agenda um, slide, please. Um, you will see here on the left-hand side our, our kind of traditional agenda for these Q4. We're going to talk about uh, the highlights, um, the Lucid uh, integration, financial updates, of course, and then summary, and of course, we'll leave plenty of time for Q&A as well. In terms of presenters, um, as you'd expect, you've got uh, Olivier uh, Lefranc, our um, uh, CFO, and myself. Um, but in addition, we've got uh, Patrick Comer, uh, Chairman of the Board, who is dialing in from uh, the US. So a very early good morning to you, uh, Patrick. Um, and the purpose is, is to, to kind of give a sense of uh, continuity, um, um, given, given some of the changes that, um, that have been announced more recently. So, if we just move on to the uh, introduction slide four, please. I do want to recap this because um, I think it is important. Um, you know, we, we are a uh, global platform leader in the connected consumer insights market research space. As uh, just to refresh all our minds, uh, we've got to sit there in the middle. We're an automated uh, uh, platform. We connect you know, um, brands or companies who want to ask questions on the left-hand side with respondents who've opted in on the right-hand side. You will see there a nice uptick both in uh, B2B customers and in connected consumers. We'll talk about that in more detail when we get to our uh, operational KPIs, as we typically do. Um, and then since at a glance, um, we are one of the world's largest consumer networks. Um, we've always had the ambition to be, uh, to be the number one. Um, you know, perhaps a little bit, uh, uh, you know, kind of uh, 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 sort of, temporary pause, but we have had a very strong track record of profitable organic growth. Um, and of course, the acquisition of Lucid end of 2021 created the number one platform. Um, and we continue to believe very much strongly in the uh, growth and synergy potential of the larger combo. And uh, you can see there on the right hand side of the bottom, net sales by region now, you know, very much a, uh, a US business, 60% with EMEA. Uh, 30, a little bit over 30, and then 10% um, in APAC. So if we just move on to uh, the Q4 uh, highlights, slide number six, please. Um, this, you know, we've we've talked about this uh, in the uh, in the second of February uh, trading update that we we gave. Um, Q4 net sales uh, coming in basically flat on a constant currency basis uh, year over year. Um, as we uh, as we said there, you know, we've got you know unexpectedly weak demand um, for the uh, macroeconomic reasons. And we have had, and we'll talk about this more in, in a couple of slides time, a significant increase uh, in, uh, in, in our reversals. Um, increase of 4% uh, pro forma year over year in terms of our, uh, in terms of our gross profits for the quarter. And then you know, somewhat, somewhat encouragingly, we've got an adjusted EBITDA margin of 16.8, which is a little bit higher than we had in Q4 of uh, 21. Um, also encouraging, I would say, is improved uh, cash flow um, following a bunch of initiatives that we, we talked about um, in or initiated in Q3, uh, and we continue to, uh, to, to deliver on in, uh, in, in, in Q4. And then, of course, you know, given, given everything that's going on, um, we decided to do a, uh, an impairment test 
um, and do a non-cash impairment mounting to the 341 uh, million. So, you know, that's that's kind of us in a uh, our, our Q4 in a nutshell. Um, I do want to give a little bit of a voiceover at this point because, you know, my, my, my sense is there's there's a bit of a there's a bit of a feeling of doom and gloom, uh, at least from the outside, uh, looking at looking at since and. And, I, and at least in my opinion, I think that is a little bit overdone. Um, um, yes, Q4 was flat in terms of revenue, absolutely. Um, but I would say the reasons for that um, are very clear, at least in our mind. Um, we've got the macro. We've got the, uh, the reversals that we're going to talk about in some more detail. And I think it's also fair to say that we've got some, you know, integration uh, distractions um, that, 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 that you know, with with a lot of our colleagues having two jobs, you know, their day job and the integration. So I think that there is a little bit of an element of that as well. So number one, I think we're very clear on the reasons, at least in our mind. Secondly, uh, I think we have a plan. We have a plan to reduce the reversals. We have a plan to um, get back to growth. We will continue to drive the uh, the OPEX synergies um, and continue to the integration work. So, um, you know, we do have a plan. And then finally, and that's a little bit why I showed the slide right at the beginning, I, I do believe that our fundamentals remain strong, right? We, we are the number one marketplace. Um, I think, you know, um, we will sort out the issues that we're going through right now. And I do actually think that, um, you know, when the uh, uh, marketing spend recovers, we are going to be really well placed to benefit from that, given our size and our suite of uh, product solutions. So. I did want to say that um, it's 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 my point of view. I believe that very strongly. Um, so so I think you know this this a little bit of of, of, of doom and gloom in in my opinion at least is is a little bit overdone. Now moving on to the next slide, if we could please let's let's dive a little bit more detailed into uh, into what's been going on. So here you can see the uh, net sales development um, by business segment, region, and customer type as we've typically presented. What we've done this time, in addition, is 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 kind of show what the uh, the pro forma and the constant currency is, right? So, um, as you can see on the left-hand side there, um, what you can see there is that our our marketplace business uh, in Q4 was down three percent in that constant currency, whereas the medium measurement was up uh, almost twenty uh, again on a on on a constant currency basis. And just to kind of round out the picture for you, I think it's important to look at the regional split um, in the middle there. Um, and there you can see that, and I'm going to go sort of uh, bottom to top, um, is that uh, APAC was 20% uh, up on a constant currency basis. EMEA was up five. And, and you know, the, the, uh, the area where we're really focusing um, is the Americas, who were down five on a constant currency basis. So, um, if you, uh, and then on the customer types, just to kind of complete the picture there, we don't have the breakdown on a constant currency basis, but what you do see there on pro forma is that, you know, kind of we're back to in Q4, the pattern that we've historically uh, seen for much of the time, which is the tech enabled growing a little bit faster uh, than our established customers. So, you know, what, what conclusions do, do I draw from this? Um, I would say the macro has impacted um, all business segments, regions, and customer types. However, however, um, that, is, that has been particularly um, acute, I would say, in the Americas, where you know it's uh, it's uh, we, we've we've suffered, uh, I would say, disproportionately, in particular, in particular, in uh, the tail end of the uh, the tail end of the quarter. So, um, with that, I would like to continue on with the uh, operational KPIs. Um, as you can see here, we've seen 
and, and, and I see this as a, as a, as a sort of uh, a positive picture. We've got an increase in B2B customers on the left-hand side. Um, uh, we've got an increase in connected consumers, and, and you know, encouragingly, we've also had a, um, you know, a significant increase in the completed surveys, which is obviously the, the end product of B2B customers and the connected consumers. Now, some, some people might ask, um, you know, why, why hasn't the, the revenue increased in line with, um, with the completed survey increase? Well, the, 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 the key issue there is the reversals, right? So, um, because our platform believes that we've, we've delivered the complete, um, customer says no, um, not, a real, not a real respondent, so we're, we're basically not going to pay for it. So, that's why there is a difference between revenue and, and, the, um, and the, uh, the, the sort of completed surveys. I think that's uh, a good opportunity now if we could move to the next slide, please, to do a little bit more of a dive into this reversal point, right? So, um, uh, uh, sort of forgive me for, for, for sort of going into this in a bit of detail, but I think it's important. So, first of all, what is a reversal? So, during the survey fielding process, we send out, uh, uh, you know, kind of uh, surveys to respondents. Um, sometimes we recognize that uh, complete um, as, as genuine, um, but, and therefore that it's been delivered, but the buyer does not re recognize it as valid. So the buyer then removes those completes, um, and that results in a negative rec reconciliation, which is otherwise, another word for that we use internally, is a reversal. So to give you a specific example, imagine we're doing a survey. Um, we think, uh, or we, we want to do, the buyer wants to do 100 completes. We, uh, our platform says, yep, we've done those 100 completes, but then the buyer comes back and says, actually, 15 of those we don't think are genuine, so we're not going to pay for those. So it, it is revenue that we think um, we, 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 we had, um, but then in that uh, reconciliation period, which is, which is typically 30 days, the buyer comes back and says, no, actually, uh, we're, not, we're not paying for these. Now, this is a, a, an industry phenomenon, definitely. Um, the, the normal sort of reversal rates that, that, that have been established and, and, and um, are accepted is sort of in the 5% to 7% range. So that's, that's a little bit of what is a reversal. Next up, um, a little bit more detail, if we peel the onion on reversals, there's really two types. Um, one is unengaged respondents, and that really is you know, where a consumer is, is maybe, I don't know, doing something else, watching TV, um, and, and just doing this by the by, and you can tell by the pattern of their responses, um, maybe they all, you know, if it's a one to five scale, they always click on five and, and go through it very quickly, and don't bother with the open-ended um, questions, for example. You know, that is, that is defined as an unengaged respondent, and obviously our customers don't want unengaged respondents, they want respondents who've been thinking, you know, carefully about the questions. So that's one category. The second one, and this is the one that has been increasing substantially, um, is, is the fraud, which, which happens at the weakest link in the supply chain, and that generally happens when the links are manipulated um, due to a vulnerability between service platform and the supplier. So examples of this can be bot responses, um, where you get you know, similar or identical responses for a whole bunch of uh, respondents, they come from maybe the same IP address, and if they're doing open ends, um, often you get exactly the same verbatims or even the same um, uh, typos. And that, you know, bot responses are when somebody programs um, um, uh, uh, computers to kind of do this on a on a almost uh, industrial scale. 
duplicate responses, which is when you get identical open-end and uh, open-end responses uh, seen across multiple respondents. That, again, is a, is a clue that um, somebody's trying to game the, uh, the, the, the system. And then the, the, the very sort of complicated one is the ghost complete, uh, which is an industry term, which is when a complete registers on the supply side, so the supply believes the complete, um, that their respondent has done the, uh, has done the complete but not on the buyer side, because basically what people do is they go into um, the system and they manipulate the links. So um, oftentimes that is due to a vulnerability between the, the survey platform and the supplier. So as you can see, is you know there's quite a, a, a complex sort of ecosystem between um, the, 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 the person um, originating the survey, programming the survey, then there's the survey uh, uh, sort of uh, survey platforms, there's ourselves, and then when the data is collected. And um, there can be um, uh, vulnerabilities um, in those interfaces, and, and some people um, uh, you know, kind of make it their business to try and take advantage of that. Um, if we could move, please, to the next slide. So what are we doing about it? So first of all, um, and this is not an excuse, uh, but, it's, but it is true, um, quality and fraud are industry challenges, right? Um, in, in our view, and this is also talking to a lot of other folk, the macro economy has led to increased motivation for people to try and um, game, uh, game the system. Now, um, we are now the largest global exchange and, and we're a public company um, and, and our view is that that puts us a little bit more into the uh, spotlight. And the other thing to, 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 to flag here is that the major increase in reversals that we've seen, particularly in, Q, in Q4, has come from the fraud uh, uh, kind of component. It's not the, uh, it's not the unengaged uh, respondents that I talked about. Uh, earlier. Now, impact on SINT. Now, first of all, um, I, I do want to say these reversals are identified within a short time frame. So the, uh, the buyers, the clients, they have um, typically 30 days to, uh, to kind of say that these, you know, to kind of declare that uh, uh, some of the respondents or responses they've had, um, they, deem to be, they deem to be inappropriate, and, and so they reverse. So in other words, this is, this is not something that can go back in, in, in time beyond about uh, 30 days. So within, within 30 days of the end of a project, we, we know what the reversals are. And of course, then what we do is re we report revenue, net of reversals, and have always done that uh, in the past as well. Now in terms of quantum, um, what, we, what we've said in the trading statement, and, and I'll, I'll reiterate here, is that the increase in reversals in Q4 22 compared to Q4 21 has taken about 5% points um, off our, our growth rate, right? So, so um, you know, if, we're, if we were, you know, previously at this, uh, in this sort of 5 to 7 range, the reversals we had in Q4 were um, 11% for the group overall. Um, so, so, you know, quite a, quite a high number. Now, that's all well and good, I, I can hear you thinking, what are we doing about it? So that uh, it's, it's, it's multi-pronged, which is why it's not, an, it's not an easy fix and it's not entirely up to us. So it does require product-based solutions um, and it requires collaboration across the entire supply chain, right? So because um, um, it's, it's, it's when we do um, sort of technical or heightened security between us and, and survey platforms, that obviously requires the survey platforms to, to play ball as well. Um, um, so it's not, it's not entirely in our control, but we do have things that are in our control. Um, so we, we have tightened up our uh, current existing security features. Um, 
we've rescaled the market. We have a whole bunch of third-party third tools that we're currently using. We've rescaled the market and looking what's available, um, and 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 see if there are additional uh, additional tools that um, that make sense. And we're actually also um, developing and testing um, uh, an in-house AI-based methodology to identify fraud. As I, I hopefully gave you a sense earlier, there are some patterns in, in, in fraudulent behavior, um, and, and uh, we're in the process of testing that um, uh, to kind of pick that out uh, uh, much earlier um, and, and before a, a, um, a client says that there's a reversal. And importantly, um, we're now working on building the server-to-server solution, which is which is um, going to be much more secure than it is currently. Um, uh, but that again requires industry industry cooperation. Now, importantly, because this is an industry uh, situation, um, we're organising a quality forum um, and 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 using our contacts with the industry associations to bring everyone together to to, to help solve this problem. Um, it's it's. It's, I think it's fair to say, Patrick, um, you're, you're, you're leading the charge on this. Um, and the first meeting I think you've got is at an industry uh, conference in, in, I think it's in two or three weeks. Um, and so this is actively, uh, actively happening um, uh, right now. So um, we can come back to this. Um, but um, what I'd like to do now is head on to uh, slide number uh, 12, please, and just give an update on the Lucid um, integration. Um, so Q4 was a high-intensity quarter with respect to the uh, with the uh, with the integration. I would say um, we we you know worked in very hard to get a common platform for people, processes, and systems, um, as well as launching a company-wide sales and go-to-market messaging uh, platform as well. Um, and then importantly, um, we we started the implementation of this new unified product roadmap. Um, now, that is not an overnight uh, uh, fix, but it's absolutely essential um, for our future success to have a, a, common, a common platform, a unified platform. Um, and I think it's fair to say that this is going to consume substantial time and resources also in 2023, particularly on the, on the, uh, on the, product, uh, on the product side. We, uh, in terms of the synergies, we absolutely re uh, remain on track on the, uh, particularly on the OPEX side. We've made, uh, continue to make, um, and have done since the beginning actually, very good uh, progress on the uh, uh, on the OPEX uh, on the OPEX side of things because uh, those are directly uh, directly in our control. Um, we we reiterate that you know in terms of the integration costs, we're going to stick to the 40 million that we said right at the beginning, um, uh, and that will end at uh, the end of this uh, the end of this calendar year. And so far, I think we've taken just over 21 million. Yeah, uh, just over 21 million during 2022, uh, of which about five in um, five in Q4. So um, with that, I'm going to now um, hand over to uh, Olivier to take us through the uh, financial update. So what you can see here is that our net sales were at 80.3 million in the quarter, which is like a pro forma growth of 6.6% versus uh, last year. That was at 75.4%. And as Tom said uh, earlier in the introduction, 0.1% growth uh, on a constant currency uh, basis. Um, moving to uh, gross profit uh, in the middle, uh, our gross profit in the quarter was at 48.7 million versus 46.7 uh, last year, a 4% uh, growth uh, compared to pro forma. Uh, our gross margin uh, was a little lower than it was uh, in the last uh, in, in Q4 2021. 
So we were at 60.6% versus 62 uh, last year, reflecting an underlying change in product mix as well as some price pressure in some uh, geographies. Uh, in terms of the adjusted EBDA, so our adjusted EBDA was at 13.5% for the quarter, a growth of 18% compared to pro forma uh, 2021. Our uh, adjusted EBDA margin was at 16.8% versus 15.2% uh, in Q4 uh, 2021, uh, primarily driven by good cost control uh, over OPEX and also the uh, integration synergies that uh, Tom uh, talked uh, about uh, earlier. Uh, next slide, please. So here you can see uh, the full year uh, numbers. So uh, net sales for the full year has, uh, on the reported basis are at uh, 295 million, uh, which is a pro forma growth of 21% uh, versus last year, 13% on the constant currency uh, basis. Uh, pro forma growth has been uh, driven by some positive currency uh, tailwind, so the strengthening of the dollar, and also some uh, positive uh, business uh, development because we grew like 13% on the constant currency uh, basis. We've seen the highest growth rates uh, in Asia Pacific, uh, 25% on the constant currency and EMEA at 18%. Americas, uh, despite the fact that Americas was down like 5% uh, in the last quarter, uh, it grew uh, 9% uh, in uh, the full year. Uh, moving to the middle, our gross profit uh, for the full year is at 183 uh, million, pro forma growth of 22% versus uh, last year. And in terms of gross margin, we are uh, slightly, uh, relatively stable, slightly below compared to uh, last year, again, uh, due to some price pressure and uh, um, uh, product mix. Uh, our EBDA is at 48.8 million, a pro forma growth of 35% compared to last year, and our adjusted EBDA margin is at 16.5 versus 15.1 uh, on a pro forma basis uh, last year primarily driven by scale and the synergy uh, benefits. Next slide, please. So in terms of the Q4 margin, uh, so Q4 margin has been impacted by lower than expected sales, but again is higher uh, than last year uh, pro forma. Uh, so at 16.8% in Q4, uh, it is lower than it was in Q3, 19%, uh, and Q2, 17.7%, uh, uh, and higher than it was in Q1 at 12.1%. We have some seasonality, uh, and Q1, generally speaking, is a lower quarter uh, than uh, Q2, Q3, uh, and Q4. Uh, as uh, Tom mentioned earlier, so we, we've done like an impairment uh, of the goodwill for an amount of like 341 million. This was uh, largely triggered by the market reaction to the trading statement. And also uh, we had to take into consideration uh, the macroeconomic uh, slowdown uh, and also the increase uh, in uh, interest uh, rates. Uh, next slide, please. Uh, on, so we have continue like to focus uh, on cash and this has uh, had like a positive uh, impact uh, on our number. So as you can see here, we had some positive cash flow uh, in the quarter uh, from changes uh, in working capital of 7.2 million, 
we had also some positive cash flow from operating activities of uh, 5.1 million. Net net, our net cash flow uh, was down like 1.1 million uh, in the quarter. Uh, the amount of cash uh, and cash equivalent at the end of the quarter was at 62.6 million versus 65.8 at the end of Q3. And the total net debt uh, uh, amounted to uh, 56.4 versus 65.9 at the end of uh, Q3. Next slide, please. And uh, we have seen some uh, continued uh, working uh, capital improvement. So several initiatives were launched uh, in the first quarter, including like a review of the overview customer uh, invoices, harmonization and improvement of payment terms for customers and suppliers, and uh, more payment discipline uh, and improved payment schedule for the, for the payable. So we have pursued this initiative in Q4. And the total networking capital position continue to reduce for the second quarter uh, in a row. So what you can see is that we're at 38 million uh, in terms of networking capital at the end of June. That reduced to 24 at the end of September to 21.5 at the end of December. Uh, and I'm really expecting and looking forward to see uh, further improvement in the coming quarters. But uh, it's important to keep in mind that uh, we have some pretty complex uh, invoices. We need to go like into the weeds, so there are no uh, quick wins. But definitely, uh, we are moving uh, in the right direction, and uh, I'm really expecting to see some continuous uh, improvement uh, in the coming uh, in the coming quarter. Uh, our accounts receivable have increased by uh, 3.8%, but it is largely uh, due to the sales seasonality. So you might have seen that our net sales uh, in Q4 were at 80.3 million versus 74.3 in Q3, which is like a 8.1% uh, increase. And I think that's it for the financial uh, part. Yeah. So if we could um, uh, go to the uh, next slide, number tw uh, next slide, please. Um, so just so to kind of pull, pull everything together, so um, you'll be familiar in terms of strategy and short-term priorities. Um, strategy you will be familiar with, um, and it's obviously um, centered around, um, number one, reversal reduction. Um, that is a, a big focus uh, for all of us. Um, I, I'm sure that, that we'll get the question, you know, so how long is it going to take? And the and the and the answer is we, we don't know, right? We don't know for for two reasons. One, it requires industry cooperation, and and we're going to do our absolute best to 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 kind of um, harness harness our colleagues um, to to help with that. Uh, secondly, is you know this particularly the organised fraud is a little bit of a technological arms race, right? So, um, and and it has been over the over the years that that, that I've been in, in the industry, and I was chatting to Patrick, and he said it's 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 been the case for even longer, which is all the time he's been, which is, you know, they they something you know the 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 dodgy people they find a loophole, they exploit it, um, we we pick it up, we close that, and so on and so on. So um, we're definitely at uh, reversal rates way above where we uh, want to be and where we will be, um, but it's 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 really difficult to give a, a, a specific time on that. Um, but it is an absolute top priority for us. Secondly, um, commercial uh, acceleration or reacceleration. Um, you'll be familiar with the, the kind of four red circles uh, in terms of our in terms of our commercial strategy. Um, I'm very confident um, that, that those will continue to be you know the levers that will 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 drive our future growth. 
as they have been the levers that drove the, the, the growth of both uh, Legacy Lucid, Legacy Sint uh, in the previous several years. Now, what we are doing is, is as I said earlier, applying a very um, intense lens to the uh, Americas, um, uh, because that's where we, we absolutely um, need to and are focusing. What we've done there uh, specifically is, is made a couple of um, uh, made some, some uh, leadership uh, changes. Those are already done. Um, secondly, we're, we're doing a, um, a, a complete replan, if you like, of the year to kind of really do a thorough bottom-up uh, uh, commercial plan, sales plan, which I think is which I've seen the first version of, which is which is which is really good. Um, and and you know we're sharpening the pencils and the commercial activity really where the opportunities uh, lie. And then thirdly, um, we are we are en engaging and hiring going to be hiring some um, uh, commercial resources to go after the director brands um, opportunity. Um, we talked about that I think in Q2 or Q3 last year as a pilot. That's proven to be um, very positive for us. Um, and I think it's it's partly actually driven by the macro, weirdly, where brands are also obviously are also under a lot of cost pressure on all dimensions, raw materials, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, um, and are looking at ways to be more cost effective with their market research as well. So um, we've 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 had some good success with the direct to brand uh, pilot that we did um, in the in the middle started the middle of last year, and and we're planning to roll that out. Starting with um, with the Americas um, and the UK, actually uh, now, and then and then the final piece, obviously, and I talked about this uh, a little bit already. Platform integration and roadmap, really important, uh, big focus. Will will definitely take all of this year and probably some into next year, um, but you know, really important because getting from from the current um, you know kind of legacy platforms to one integrated one is is very important um, um, on, on, on lots and lots of dimensions. So that's a sense of our short-term um, uh, short priorities and strategy, which I think is a nice segue into the final slide, if we please, um, which is, you know, and I'm going to restate where I started, which is I really do believe that we've got very solid fundamentals. Um, um, yes, we've got some, 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 uh, some hiccups and some, and some stuff to get through. But I'm really convinced we will do right, um, and 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 when we do, I think we're going to be able to, you know, really take advantage of this very large underlying market. We've got this structural shift, digitization um, that's unchanged um, and will continue. Um, I think we're going to be really well positioned, um, especially when we have, you know, the the integrated platform uh, to take advantage of uh, the uptick in marketing spend when when I'm sure it will come. Um, we've got these additive and complementary value props that we've talked about, uh, particularly measurement, which continues to do well, as, as we talked about right at the beginning. Um, and we will get back to delivering profitable growth. Um, I'm, I'm utterly convinced of that. Um, and as I've said, you know, we are on track with a synergy delivery, and that will then play out in a strong bottom line performance, um, because we've, we've mentioned this in the past, you know, we've, we're, we're quite a uh, a, a sort of uh, um, uh, a relatively fixed cost business model, and therefore, when we be out, when we get back to growth, that will then, of course, also benefit uh, the bottom line as well. So, with that, Elliot, I'm going to pass back to you um, to um, um, orchestrate the uh, Q and A. Thank you. If you would like to ask a question, please press star followed by one on your telephone keypad. If you would like to withdraw your question, please press star followed by two. And when preparing to ask your question, please ensure your device is unmuted locally.
Our first question today comes from Daniel Ovin from Nordia. Your line is open. Yes, good morning, Tom and Olivier, and thank you for taking my questions. Uh, my first question is a bit on what happened in the second part of uh, Q4. Uh, when you reported Q3 in end of October, uh, you seemed pretty optimistic regarding October, and you all also talked about having a visibility of six to eight week, uh, six to eight weeks. Now you only grew 0.1% in local currency, and even if these reverses were only known afterwards, the organic growth would have been around five uh, in local currency, which is still below the 11 in Q3. So can you just explain a little bit more what went wrong here and, and maybe visibility is not as good as, as you mentioned then, or, or just help us to understand this first uh, bit, please. Uh, that's my first question. Thank you. Hey, good morning, Daniel. So, uh, no, you're, so you're right. I I, I was um, more optimistic during the during the Q3, which in hindsight has proven to be wrong, obviously. Um, so, so really, what what happened was a couple of things. So, um, in uh, I mean, we don't talk we don't talk about monthly uh, monthly revenue in in detail, but I can say that both um, October and November were were up fairly nicely year on year, um, but we had a big dip in December. Um, and, and that was particularly in the um, in the in the Americas. And uh, two things what, what, two things happened there really. One was um, in uh, generally we benefit from this spend it or loot uh, kind of approach have, um, and that has has you know driven uh, a lot of uh, a lot of uh, work for us. In, in kind of end November and in December over the past you know many many years and, and there was almost none of that that has completely dried up um, talking to the talking to the commercial guys and and the second thing is that the particularly in uh, in December we got a, a, a real spike in uh, in reversals um, much higher than in the previous month so those two things really um, impacted the overall quarter, quarterly uh, quarterly numbers there was no, it was okay. just those two. Yeah, okay, okay. Uh, then one question on the uh, reversal side of it, uh, just to understand how it works here. So if you then get a reversal from your uh, customers, uh, do you get also a refund from the platform guys then, or, or the uh, the one that provides you with, with the respondents, or does it have an impact on the margin, or maybe you can just uh, understand understand a bit what happens in the in the value chain when you have these reversals? Well, we think we've delivered the the complete, um, or the, the the yeah, we we think we've delivered the complete. The customer says no, um, uh, and um, what what generally happens is then. In most cases, it's the, the supplier who ends up paying out the uh, to the to the to the you know to the to the bad actors some money. Um, in a very in in some small number of cases, um, we manage the um, we manage the um, the incentives, um, but in general, it's the suppliers who um, um, who who lose out. Okay, so it's not a margin negative margin impact. It's more of a top line impact on, on your side. It's a revenue. It's a it's it's a it's a it's a revenue problem because you know if if because we think we've delivered the hundred, which is what the the buyer wanted, and then the buyer says actually you didn't deliver a hundred, you delivered eighty five, right? So 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 for example, and then and then the project is closed and finished, and therefore we can't go back and say well have another fifteen. Mm -hmm. 
Broadly, it's a missed revenue opportunity, and it and it's and it's wo it's worse because we think we've delivered what the client wanted, right? Mm. And is this? I'm I'm just thinking about the two different models of, of Synth, and then you have the Lucid more auction uh, uh, type model. Is it mainly related to one of the two models, or is it broad based uh, across both uh, different models? Uh, if you can just talk a little bit around that. No, it's both. It's, it's it's across the board, and 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 I mean, what I would say is, it's it's it, it, again, it's 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 definitely an industry thing, and we've we've actually we have some you know some some sort of uh, friends in the industry, and and they have found um, videos on the on the dark web, which kind of give instructions on 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 how to how to kind of um, game the market research industry, including us. Um, so I mean, there are it, it's. There are videos how to do it, right? So we're obviously, you know, taking steps and all the rest of it. But um, it's 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 pretty broad based right now. Mm. Okay, and then just one last question here on on the, the net debt levels here and and the covenants, etc. Is there any risk around around that? Can you mention anything on on where there there are so so we get a better understanding? Uh, any comments around that would be helpful. That's the last question. So, 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 uh, so, so I think we have uh, we have some covenant in place in the end of like uh, 2021, uh, back to the time of the acquisition of uh, Lucid. Uh, we have always met uh, our covenant uh, already, uh, including uh, like Q4 2022, and we continue uh, to monitor like the situation like on uh, on a regular basis. Okay, perfect. That's all my questions. Thank you. Thanks, Daniel. Our next question comes from Sarah Stavela from SEB. Your line is open. Uh, hi, good morning. Can you hear me okay? We can, yeah. Good morning, Sarah. Hi, good morning. Okay, so uh, I think I'd, I'd like to pick up there where we left off on on the sort of exit rates in, in December, and you said there was no budget flush effect this season or this year. Uh, firstly, why do you think that is? And secondly, I guess if December was that week, if October and November looked good, that implies that we're going into Q1 with a rather weak momentum. Is that what you're seeing so far into the quarter? If you can comment on that, please. Yeah. So, um, so on the on the so why do I think there was much less or almost no uh, you know spend it or lose it? I think that's because um, what I've said in in previous quarters. I think CFOs are getting a much tighter grip on uh, on budgets on on uh, uh, particularly marketing budgets, uh, and I think you know that's 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 what's impacted. I think uh, brands you know anecdotally need to get high level approvals from their um, uh, from their um, uh, uh, kind of financial colleagues, and and it makes it um, um, it makes it you know much less discretionary spend that they've got to to, to kind of push push that out the door at the end of their fiscal year. I think so. Uh, so I think that that's been the real that that's a real factor, um, which is all again tied into the macro and brands being you know more careful with their marketing spend. And then the, and then okay. the second part okay. was, and then the second part was, was you know, kind of beginning beginning of this year. What, what I'd say is, is what I said in the uh, in the in the report. You know, I think the the macro situation is definitely continuing for the foreseeable future, as 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 far as we can see, at least. Um, and you know, the, the the other big point is the 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 reversals. We will get a handle on them, but that's going to take uh, it's going to take a while. So. 
Okay. So uh, you, you talked a little bit about the the plan that you have for America specifically. Uh, what is it actually that happened in America? Because I've heard some companies describe that something negative happened with the ad cycle in America in Q4 that had already happened in Europe uh, a, a couple of quarters uh, prior to that. So is this just sort of an effect of the U.S. being behind us in, in the sort of ad cycle or – uh, can you specify where you expect the macro to turn in the Americas specifically, if that's where the most effect is? And secondly, um, on the sort of plan that you have, could you give us any details on, on what that includes? Because, I mean, I'm wondering how much can you actually do if, if most is tied to macro in, in Americas? Yeah, so so in terms of you know predicting where the macro cycle is going, I, I that's 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 need somebody smarter than me to to be able to do that. I I, w I wouldn't want to try and predict that. Um, but in terms of in terms of the plans, what I will say is I think you know you're right. Some of it is is you know a lot a lot of it even is is macro related. But I do think we can we can uh, be more uh, effective uh, in terms of our sales execution. Uh, particularly in the U.S., um, which is why we, we we kind of made the changes um, that I that I talked about. So um, I think there is there is an opportunity there, um, and um, just to, to to kind of sharpen our sales effectiveness. Um, number one and number two, there's definitely an opportunity on the direct to brands, right? Um, which is which is a function of brands wanting to be more cost effective with how they spend their marketing research money, um, and therefore being you know a little bit uh, uh, more open. To uh, you know, proposition like ours, rather than going through their you know through the traditional way that they've sourced market research. So I think it's those two things. Okay. Um, so okay. So just uh, two more questions um, for me. Um, you talked about headcount reduction. I think you talked about it that since since Q2. And I'm just wondering, has there been a sort of loss of any seniority in the organization? Is the headcount reduction uh, sort of uh, to blame or partly to blame for the deceleration in organic sales growth? Is that how you would view it, or do would you describe it differently? No, so so no, no. I don't think the headcount reduction is 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 related to the deceleration at all. Actually, um, I think the the. Um, um, the headcount reduction was 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 we took that early in in Q uh, end of Q1 I think beginning of Q2 something like that, um, and it was where we had overlap right or duplication was 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 the the the, the key the key um, uh, kind of the areas where we focused. Um, so no, I don't think I don't think that's um, that's a that's a factor. What I what I do though think is that the and this is more qualitative is that. The ramp up of integration effort in in Q4, I think, has been a little bit more of a distraction than 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 than, than we wanted than I wanted, um, and with, you know, with people getting pulled into, including some of the commercial folks, into you know integration work streams. Um, you know, by way of example, we're in the in the process of rolling out you know Salesforce as a as a common uh, as a common tool across both legacy companies, uh, and that obviously um, and, and there's there's a big lead to cash pro project as well. Um, which, which, which obviously impacts the, the commercial folks as well. So, so I don't think it's, it's the headcount reduction. I think, you know, if anything, it's more the uh, the ramp up of integration efforts. But again, it, it's hard to put a number, specific number, on that. Um, but what we're what we're what we're, we're doing now is is trying to, you know, rather make 
a larger number of people do a little bit of integration, kind of reduce it and say, right, you're going to be doing integration for the next couple of quarters. So fewer people, more full time is, is kind of the approach that we've, that, or the shift that we've done. Okay. Uh, finally, for me, um, I, I just like to dig a little bit deeper on the working caps because you've talked about accounts receivables also for a couple of quarters now, and you said that was a key strategic priority in Q2 in the report, and that we should see effect from debt collection from the overdue accounts receivables already in Q3 was was the message, and we haven't really seen that in neither Q3 nor Q4. So I'm just wondering. Is there any sort of credit loss risk there uh, on that front, or how far along are you in that process, and what can we expect for the rest of this year? Yeah, so I, I, I would say two things. So in terms of genuine bad debts, uh, I mean, it's not uh, like in the market research industry in general. Uh, I mean, we have like a, uh, very few like genuine uh, genuine bad debts. I have not seen much of this like at Kantar, at Ipsos, and uh, or uh, or at uh, or at Sin. So we are like uh, in an industry where the default risk, uh, like generally speaking, uh, is pretty uh, limited. And also we have a very large number of clients, so we are not depending like on one or uh, or two clients. So. I'm not too concerned uh, about like default risk from, uh, on the client side. Now we have like a very complex, we have many clients and we have some pretty complex in, uh, invoices because we have like a lot of completes, we have a lot of items. So we are, we are not like uh, sending to our clients some invoices uh, with uh, just uh, one line. Uh, our uh, invoices are complex and therefore they take a lot of time to be digested, I would say, uh, by uh, our, uh, our clients. So if you look at our, uh, the indicators on slide 18, you will see that uh, they are really like moving uh, in, uh, in the right direction in terms of the networking capital to uh, consumer spend. You will see that our uh, account receivable are a little higher than they were at the end of Q3, but it is mainly uh, due to the seasonality uh, in sales because they increased by 3.8% when our sales increased by 8.1% uh, in the last uh, quarter versus, uh, versus Q3. So again, as I said like earlier in the presentation, we are definitely uh, moving uh, in the right uh, direction, but it's not going to be spectacular. I mean, uh, we have to go like into the weeds and it's going to be like a gradual and progressive improvement quarter after quarter. But we have what we need uh, in terms of resources for debt collection efforts. Okay. All right. Thank you. That was all for me. Thanks. Our next question comes from Pretrack Savanik from Carnegie Bank. Thank you very much, operator. Morning, Tom. Morning, over here. Um, another one on the reversal rates. So I was thinking uh, what if you implement certain changes uh, to the ver reversals and frauds but then the fraudsters readapt and and the rate sticks at what did you say 11 percent for for november um is is there a risk this could be the case do you think um so it, it, it so you're right in the sense that it is a little bit of an arms race um but I would say the the you know if, if I think about back to the back to back to over history and Patrick maybe we'll come to you uh, to get your kind of even even longer perspective in in in, in a second. Um, 
the, the way this tends to work is that is that it, you know there's there's a uh, we 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 plug some some vulnerabilities that obviously improves the overall system eco uh, the ecosystem security, and so you know over time um, we're plugging more and more gaps right. So it's not that we we plug one and we unplug another right. So so as as our tech sophistication and security sophistication increases as an industry. It just becomes harder and harder. It's not that there's 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 you know kind of new stuff that that, that that's um, or new gaps that we're making. It's it's they may find some additional gaps, but we keep we'll keep plugging those. So over time, I think our our security levels will uh, increase, and therefore the um, the fraud rates will go down. Um, Patrick, do you uh, if you're still on, um, do you wanna do you wanna comment sure. on that? Yeah, just in, in, in my experience, uh, that's exactly right. There'll be a spike in reversals, and then all the players in the space will make the appropriate changes to limit those um, those reversals back to a more normalized rate of five to seven percent. The what's interesting is that all the players, the suppliers, uh, the marketplaces, or the survey platforms are all innovating with technology over time, and as those innovations continue to grow new gaps in, in, in security may arise and a new type of um, uh, process will occur where they, a, a, a bad actor can create a, a higher rate of reversals than normal. What I haven't seen is implement, uh, changes to security be implemented and then all of a sudden uh, the, have a new spike. It, take, it generally takes quite a long time for the, uh, the market, as it were, the bad actors to figure out how to a get around uh, technology, but more importantly, as technology improves and different players are innovating across the industry, where those new gaps are created, and that's it's the new gaps that they find more uh, likely than an historical fix that a company has made. Okay, brilliant, thank you. And um, another one on, on the macro also tying that to reversal rates. Do you think that? It could be so that you're less impacted by macro, and that is more that your customers might be pausing certain surveys because of reversal rates spiking. And I think you mentioned this is a industry phenomenon. Are you seeing this? I mean, on this similar levels in in some of your sector colleagues? I don't know, maybe at Spectrum or, or Dynata, or are they on similar levels? Would you say? Well, the, the, so. We, we don't know for a fact about um, other people's reversal rates because they they are not uh, public companies. Um, but the anecdotal evidence, and, and, and Patrick, I think your perspective will be helpful here too. The anecdotal evidence um, and the discussions we have are absolutely. Um, it's a it, right now. It's an industry. It's an industry spike, um, and that would be supported by you know some of the videos I was talking about. I mean they don't they don't single out since. Uh, they talk about the industry. How did you know? They they mention you know since and other companies, but they uh, it's 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 a uh, you know it's it's a how-to guide for uh, for the industry, rather and and therefore I think we've not seen uh, you know significant you know pausing or or, or cancellations of um, of projects due to due to uh, quality because it is an industry challenge right now. I mean, Patrick, how is this? How is this? Sort of played out in the past. Does that does that does that mirror with historical patterns? That's exactly right. Uh, reversals tend to rise together across all players in the industry and also come to, uh, come down as the fixes uh, that are implemented. Some of are internal to a company and some are across companies. 
And so that's why you'll see very quickly our industry peers coming together to, come, to create those fixes between parties versus just those fixes internal to a party. And so essentially, as reversals are somewhat tied to macro, it's not surprising that the, uh, the reversal rate across the board is growing with all players. Okay, that makes sense. And then uh, a final question to Olivier. I think you said you expect a significant improvement in the cash flow. Uh, would it be possible to either quantify this or maybe put this in relation to EBDA, as in how much free cash flow compared to the EBDA we could expect? Is it 40, 50, whatever percent to get a figure on that? Thank you. Oh, it's, I mean, it's difficult, like for me, like to make some uh, some some prediction, like in uh, in that regard, because by, by far and large, like we are like a fixed cost business, so it will depend like on the on the revenue uh, on the revenue momentum. But, but generally speaking, we are not like a very capital like intensive uh, business, so we should see like some very good conversion from EBITDA like to cash flow. There is no reason, and we are. A pretty, I would say, like linear business uh, in uh, in many aspects. Okay, super. Thank you so much. We now turn to Daniel Thorson from ABG. Your line is open. Yes, hi. Thank you very much. Uh, lots of questions on the increased reversal rates. Obviously, I think it's a vital question for the market as everyone else, of course. Uh, so, a very short one on that one. Do you see a risk for that to increase further in Q1 here? Um, it's possible. I mean, I, I can't sit here and say it's, it's impossible. It is, it is possible because we're in the process of getting to grips. We've made some about several weeks ago. We made some changes which which were very positive from our point of view already in in, in our system. Um, um, but it's 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 really impossible to predict the 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 the, the peak. Um, what I, what I would say is. You know, we this has happened in the past, um, we and we will get to grips with it, right? So it's uh, it's uh, it's it's a matter of a little bit of a little bit of time and a lot of effort. So I see, I see. Okay, that's fine. Uh, and then and second then, Patrick, question. I mean, yep. Sorry, just just to, to, on that timing. I mean, Patrick, do you have any sense of how 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 long, if you like, the spikes of reversals are historically? Is it is there or or is it does it differ from time to time? I don't have a good sense of exactly how long the spikes were. What I can say, it's pretty clear that that uh, we and other companies have reacted pretty quickly, and I think, um, you know, as as Tom just said, we've seen good benefit from that. Um, yeah, fair enough. Um, then second question related to the goodwill write down here, which I think is quite large. You mentioned that it is a result of higher interest rates and inflation, obviously, and then also weaker macro. So I guess that you have reduced the growth assumption in that impairment test to arrive at such large write down, but yet uh, you do not change your financial target of growing organically more than 25% a year mid term. So my question is basically how much have you lowered the assumed growth rate, the lucid, affected the goodwill item, and how should we think about your target of coming back to 25% organic growth again? Is that still reasonable? Yeah, so, so, so we are not looking at lucid like separately. I mean, we have just like one cash generating unit, so we are looking at the business uh, as, a, as a whole. 
And uh, yes, I mean, we are not changing our uh, medium term guidance. It's just that it's going to take uh, longer uh, to get there uh, than uh, we thought like uh, six months, uh, six months ago. So and this is, as you can imagine, this is having like um, an impact uh, on, uh, on the model. Yes. Mm. But uh, okay. so it's. Yeah. Can you say something on how you have reduced the growth assumptions in, in Lucid? Because the goodwill is obviously related to Lucid. And when you acquired it, you in, increased your target of growing from 20% organic growth to 25%. So you obviously assumed it to grow very fast. And now you have reduced the, the growth rate. Can you say something about the, that change? So, so, so what I would say is that we've not changed like the growth rate uh, in the medium terms, but like in our model, uh, in uh, it's just that things are going to take, uh, it will take like, longer than expected uh, to be back like, to this like uh, 25%, which is what we have uh, factored in the model. But I cannot be like more specific than that because I cannot like give like guidance about like 2023. But uh, as you can imagine, because of the impact of the macro, uh, uh, we have to factor that uh, into the model, uh, and when you factor that uh, into the model, uh, it makes a significant impact, yes. Yeah, I see. Okay, fair enough. Thank you very much. Thanks, Daniel. We now turn to Andreas Jolson from Danks Bank. Your line is open. Yes. Uh, good morning, and thanks for taking my question. Uh, Follow-up on, on that goodwill question. I think you mentioned that it was also a, a, re, a, a response to the market reaction from the trading updates. Uh, if, is that correctly understood? And if so, how does that impact goodwill? And secondly, on reversals, even though uh, it's hard to say how long a spike can be, can you say where the spikes have peaked before? If you're at 11% now, is that in line with where spikes have peaked before? Thanks. Well, I'll take the reversal one first, and then and then pass on to Olivier. No, the eleven percent from from what I can remember is higher than we've had in the past. So, um, um, so I think we, we yeah, it, the eleven percent is at a higher level. So, what that means, I don't know exactly. Um, it's hard it's hard to say, but it's it's it is higher. So, and. And coming back like to the goodwill, uh, I mean, it's, it's always something, uh, it's not like always like an exact science, as you can imagine. So it's something that we are looking at like from different angles. And one of the angles that we are looking at is the goodwill uh, versus uh, market value uh, of the company. And the reaction uh, to the trading statement that we made like on the 3rd of Feb uh, was a 50% reduction uh, in the share price. So it created like quite a gap uh, between uh, uh, the amount of the goodwill and the market value uh, of, uh, of, the, of the group, and uh, which I think uh, triggered the uh, review. Okay, thanks. As a reminder, any further questions, please press star 1 on your telephone keypad. Our final question today comes from Charlie Brennan from Jefferies. Your line is open. Uh, perfect. Thanks for, uh, for letting me on. Um, maybe I'll start with you, Tom, and, and, and start with congratulating you for your contribution here and, uh, and wishing you well for the future. Um, can you maybe just start by giving us some, some background to your reasons for leaving and maybe specifically when did the board actually start the process of 
of searching for the new chief executive. Uh, and what sort of skills do you think the new chief executive are going to bring that, that, that perhaps you didn't? Um, so I don't know when the board started the search because that's their job. Um, um, and, and I was only um, involved, uh, as I think I said, uh, right in December, had a dinner with, um, with Giles. Um, so I don't know when they started. What I can say is, is I had very soft um, conversations with the board um, you know, several quarters ago and said, look, at the right time, if you find somebody or when you find somebody, it will be good to uh, pass on the uh, to pass on the range. So I can't give you time on when they start an exact time when they started, but um, it was several quarters ago when I when I started having a very soft um, uh, chat to them. Uh, in terms of ration, in terms of my my um, uh, rationale, look, it just felt that you know five plus years is is quite a long time. Um, it's a it's a it's it, it, it's a pretty full on demanding job as as, as many of our jobs are. Um, and you know, I felt that um, you know some, somebody else would be would be well placed or better placed um, to take on uh, to take on the reins. Um, uh, so nothing, you know, kind of nothing, nothing uh, m more than that. Um, um, and then in terms of uh, in terms of in terms of Giles, I mean, I've, I've been working sort of side by side now with Giles for several weeks. Um, I think he's I think he's going to be excellent. Um, He's clearly a seasoned CEO. Uh, I think what he brings um, um, more than more than what I have been able to do is a very um, thoughtful approach. Uh, he's much more product um, and, and engineering-led um, than I uh, am. I'm more on the commercial side. Um, not to say that he's not commercial, but but he definitely brings some skills uh, and experience on the uh, on the product side, and I think that's going to be. Very good for the company uh, at this at this current um, phase. You know, as as I talked about earlier, I think product integration and plat sorry pr platform integration is is going to be absolutely crucial. Um, um, as is you know kind of the whole kind of all the the the, the, the you know sort of business business models and 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 and, and delivery uh, set up and so on. So I think it's going to be very good. Uh, perfectly. Maybe I'll just um, end with one last uh, question. Um, I, I think one of the best ways to get some confidence back into the synth story will be to have some some nearer term expectations that you can that you can meet. Uh, I appreciate you've got the medium term targets out there, but something closer to the here and now I think would be useful. Um, is there anything you can say about the shape of 2023 that would be helpful? Um, if I listen to you talk, you're expecting a continuation of weak macro. Uh, that sounds like organic growth close to zero in the first half of the year uh, might be appropriate. Um, at the same time, you're talking about higher integration and platform costs. You're talking about costs to get on top of these reversals. Is there a scenario that costs go up and EBITDA can be down year on year, or is that too, too bearish? Um, look, we 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 we've taken a, 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 an approach, a policy of not not guiding to the to the to the near term, which includes this year. Um, so I'm not going to I I I can't be drawn on that, unfortunately. Uh, okay, fair enough. Um, as I say, good luck with the future. Thanks, thanks, Charlie. This concludes our Q and A, and I hand back to Tom Bullman, CEO, for any closing remarks. Okay, thanks, Elliot. So, look, thank you all for your uh, for your time this morning. Um, 
hopefully we've we've given you a bit more color around what we what we think is going on um which is which is mostly around around the macro and the reversals hopefully we've i know there were some question marks or questions around around the reversals hopefully uh, we've been able to give you more more color uh and an explanation of 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 a what they are and b how they are um they are impacting us and then importantly i i hope you're going away with this um with a kind of um uh, a, a continued, at least from our point of view, a continued sense of, of, of optimism about our medium term, because um, we really do believe that and we will get through the current situation. So with that, thank you for your time. Um, I look forward to meeting many of you over the next couple of days. Um, and thanks again. Today's call is now concluded. We'd like to thank you for your participation. You may now disconnect your lines.